I'm recording. Recording. I'm recording from Worth Park. What? That's what my iPhone live from says. Oh, what? Yeah, you know how like it gives a. Oh, it's like a location tag. Yeah. So are you giving away your neighborhood? I'll bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> but only bleep out like. <laughs> yeah, it'll be beep Worth Park. <laughs> um. Okay. Um, Do you have a song? Yeah, I got a song. Oh, Adam's got a song. Wait, you guys have to join in the chorus of what? I can't. Oh. Just do yeah. so. Just go on. Do you yeah. Yeah. It is just yeah. a little. Yeah. I knew it was that or Ladies of the Canyons. Yeah, I was thinking of doing that. Oh, yeah, Ladies of the Canyons. That is a You want to do it? Here, take it away. No. no. Come on, take it away. We're not We're not right. even in a canyon. We, we made a choice. You made the choice. Yeah, that's true. You just got to make choices. Meow. You got you to gotta commit. You've got to commit. <laughs> What's this podcast? Wait, I'm not done with the song. <laughs> all right, all right, go. I feel like somebody is going to like start this episode and hear that and be like, is the audio like, did it, did this export properly? Like, is there something wrong with my headphones? Someone's going to start the episode and then hear that and then stop the episode. Listeners, oh. oh, welcome to another episode of Thank you. Is It Whack? This is a uh, podcast where we talk about movies and debate their whackness. Uh, whack, not meaning good or bad, but uh, whatever it means to us on that day. I'm Adam, one of your um, hosts, and I'm joined by two of the other hosts, Nara. Hi. And Seb. Hi. And uh, Funke and Hannah are... Um, Working. On a business trip. Busy. Quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means. Busy with international crime. <laughs> In quotes. Try and make sense of that. <laughs> um, yes. And we're talking about a movie today called... Uh, Lady World. It's just Lady World. There's no uh in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> lady Lady World. Yes. A Lady Portrait World. Portrait of a Lady in World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds there is, good. There is a Portrait of a Lady World in the film. Yeah, there literally yeah, is. That's true. That's a true point. Uh, this is a very special episode. So Would special. You, would you agree with that, Nara and Seb? I would agree. Yeah. And why is it a special episode, might I ask? Um, it is a special episode because we we have an a special guest. 
But not not here for the... Kind of. Yeah. Not for the discussion. For a different discussion. Because this guest is just so special that um, they get their whole own segment. <laughs> Specialist guest ever. Um, but yeah, this is... We have an interview with the director of Lady World, Amanda Kramer. She... Exclusive. Wow. Exclusive. <laughs> Um, she very kindly agreed to answer some questions about the film and the current project she's working on and just her sort of like philosophies and uh, insights to being a creative person and working in film. First time we've ever had the director of the film we're going to talk about on the podcast. Wow. Are we are we big time now? We are the... I think we're big I time. Think, I think... Um, this we're just so big that we might get a full full radio deal now just get our own radio station wow wow i do we even want that yeah i mean i don't know (laughs) at least at least if it's offered to us we can do a power move and just be like no we don't want that turn it down all right we want that yeah if anyone's listening i'd love to reject a radio deal that would (laughs) be we will turn you down yes (laughs) um so this episode is going to be half interview, half discussion. Hell yeah. So Nara conducted the interview, and then after the interview, we will be discussing the film. Hell yeah. And now, let's listen to the interview that Nara did with director of Lady World, Amanda Kramer. Nara, you wanted to say anything else before we go into this? Um, thanks again to Amanda Kramer for uh, talking with me and for making a film that is fun to talk about and fun or i think it's fun to watch some people (laughs) might not think it's so fun to watch it makes it a very different experience I mean yes it is always really difficult but it just usually on a film set you have people just running around everywhere we're all in huddles we're constantly interacting with other departments and actors and it's a blending and meshing of human bodies and now we're very separate we're spaced out we can't get too close to each other departments can't always commingle because it's not safe so it doesn't have the same feel. It certainly doesn't have that immediacy you love, but there's still camaraderie. It's just a different type because um, we have to be kind of, well, we have to be six feet apart, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also, I guess also for like, um, are you like, are you directing this one too? Is this another one that you've like directed, like you're written and directed? Yeah. Oh, that's so much fun. But also like I've noticed all your films are very like, um, like physical in a sense either it's like very like restricted like physicality or like super like exaggerated like almost like dancing so it's like does that change like between the actors like yeah well the actors are still doing everything they have to do you know we get tested three times a week we get our temperatures taken every day (laughs) the crew is all masked and a lot of us have shields and then the actors are unmasked you know and they're all really prepared to do what they have to do and there actually is a lot of dancing in this movie like real dancing and um 
a lot of close quarters and a lot of intimacy. So I'm very lucky that they've taken, uh, you know, that they're taking their tests and that they're staying healthy and also that they're trusting me and trusting the production to keep them safe because they're so vulnerable once they take their masks off. It's, it's funny to look around and you see so many masked crew people and they're, you know, they look like you can only see little eyes and actors are just so out in the open. And that's such a, that's an, an enormous, like, mutual respect we have to have for each other that we have to stay safe to keep them safe they have to stay safe to keep the movie going and it is definitely a different a different experience a different time I guess it really like highlights the little sort of like micro like society that happens whenever you're on a film crew like especially like when there's like heightened like risk like this Absolutely, absolutely. And it uh, it makes you, I think, very, well, it, it makes me, I can't speak for anyone else, but it makes me very emotional because these are long, hard days. We are uh, all night, so we work from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. Okay. every night. Um, and everyone is, you know, living in a world where we're about to have, like, a very profound election Um mm. Like we shoot during the election, uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and everyone is here, sort of making my fantasy come true. It feels very, <laughs> I feel very lucky, and I feel overwhelmed with emotion because it's, it's very intense to see. Like most people, I would imagine right now are hiding in their homes and waiting out some potentially good or bad news, yeah. um, election wise, and these people are, you know throwing rose silk roses into the air so I can get a really good, good shot all for me you know it's crazy well, yeah I guess it's amazing to find that um just one yeah. thing I just remembered is maybe we should do because I'm recording this and it's just gonna like be slapped in the either the beginning or the end of the podcast to either like frame it or follow it up but if you just wanted to like say a little thing like intro yourself say who you are and maybe something about like your practice like what you like about filmmaking or what draws you to um tell like the narratives that you tell or something like that I'm Amanda Kramer I'm a writer and director um I never wanted to call myself a filmmaker I always wanted to call myself a film artist um because I don't I don't know the tried and true practices that everybody um you know, adheres to when they make their work. I'm guided by some very bizarre force, um, not truly the camera lens, not really uh, sound <laughs> or editing, but just the actors in the room speaking the lines. I, I'm really honed into that. And I, you know, I spend all of my time sort of finding the perfect frame and then relying on the collaborators and artists that I've hired to help me create whatever the final product will be the cinema um I'm lucky for them that's that's me yeah that was amazing um talking about like lady world and the film you're making now and like all I'm just assuming because I haven't seen anything of what you're making now but from what I know of your work it's all like um I think a lot of your work sort of like deals with sort of like uncomfortable feelings and making like very visceral sort of like product products for the audience where it's like immersive in that sense where it's like you're brought into the story and you really feel the feelings that the characters um are going through through like all the elements like 
you have like impeccable like visual sense always and the sound design is always really interesting um what sort of drew you to like writing those narratives or like exploring those feelings like the more uncomfortable feelings well you know I think that there are the things that you love to watch and the things that you love uh to be a fan of and the things that you know speak to you and touch you and then there are the things you make (laughs) and they don't always match and they don't always mirror each other Mm -hmm. I'm a very like sensitive sentimental emotional person but I am not always interested in making that uh in my uh, my work doesn't really focus on that I love watching films where I feel uplifted or I fall in love or I have the classic cinema experience but somehow in the translation (laughs) when I go to make the thing I'm going to make I start to dig way deeper into the strangeness between people and the you know the fear and insecurities and discomfort between people and I kind of live in that space when I make the work and I like to write about um what we don't know about each other and what goes unspoken and what is spoken harshly and I never want to turn anyone off you know I'm not interested in in making anything that makes you want to turn your head away I don't like gore I don't like excruciating moments I don't really like violence but I do think challenging the viewer and challenging the audience to watch something that they don't participate in in their daily lives to be slightly unrelatable in order to open up minds. I mean, I think that that's like sort of my greatest goal. Um, it's something I'm personally kind of addicted to. I, I get all the time people say, Oh, your characters aren't that relatable. But then I also get people saying, I understand why she did that or understand why he said that. I think you can loop around again. You can create these non-person like characters and then put them through whatever it is they're about to go through and come out on the other side relatable again. Somehow it's like relating to a mannequin or something. Yeah, yeah. I guess you can go stared at, you know? It's like a very weird, I don't know, something clicks in your brain and sometimes you loop around and all of a sudden the things that don't seem like they have a humanistic touch become very human. I hope I can achieve both. I hope I can find that distancing effect and that drawing in effect. But that's a delicate balance that you have to sort of, you know, walk walk that that line. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I definitely like see that where it's um sometimes it's like a character in, in like your film. Like I was watching, I just like rewatched um Sinaltra the other day and I was oh, like thank you. um even though it's like they're not speaking to each other, they're all sort of like this repetitive like it's about that sort of like repetition and the breaking of that repetition. It's like oh, I like especially now in the like the way we're living um where it's like you don't have much variation um, in your routine because there's like everything's restricted. Um, I sort of like got that um, holding, like connecting to like the intense, like holding back and restricting and then like finally breaking free and how that's kind of scary to like do that. And maybe it's better to just hold back. Um, So yeah, it is like, I think you have accomplished it or at least I don't think everybody will get it all the time for all art, but yeah. And 
with that person. But why would that ever be the goal, you know? Yeah. Why would anyone ever want all people to get all things at all times? I think that there's classic entertainment and that, that that's what they're striving for. And I I think I think I admire that. Um there's something about that that's very cool. But you know, when you are trying to like push a vision out of your mind, right? You're mm-hmm. trying to imagine something, something that only lives inside of you. You can only make it for yourself and then hope that a few other people appreciate it. You can't imagine something and then sit in the knowledge that like everyone's going to yeah. love it or, or relate to it or feel something for it. You can only do that when you're, and this is no offense to Disney or Sony or Marvel or anything, but when you're a machine creating for the people, yes, your goal is to make the people happy and give them enjoyment. When you're a single person with a single vision, you have to drop your ego and you have to drop your desire. You can't touch everybody. It just doesn't work like that. You have to make the thing that appeals to you and hope that there are other weirdos, earth angels all over scattered that are like pinging into it and are like, you know, that's my channel. Yeah. I just turned my channel, you know, it's the best you can hope for. And if you have that, even in a small number, obviously you're doing what you set out to do yeah um also like sort of in that vein because um you're like um you like mentioned a little bit that it is like this weird gray area between like or um it is like about that shift from like non-human or like human to non-human and back again is it like difficult to work with like the performers and actors you get to sort of get them to like tune into that and like get the performance that you want or is it a lot of it just about like again like that like network the like people pinging in you like see someone and you're like oh I think you'd get what I'm doing I would love to work with you on this I think that's exactly right I mean for me you know I'm Right. It's the same thing of like, there's the things you love and the things you make. Like I know what good acting is. I, I am very tuned in and I pay a lot of attention to acting just as a whole actors on the whole, on the spectrum of every kind of way of acting. Right. I've been watching films my whole life. I'm, I'm a cinema lover. However, I think good acting is not the same as the right acting for you and your project and your vision and what you what you're writing. So I don't set the actors I work with, I believe are good. I do. And I don't mean this to slight them. I think that they're amazing, but I'm setting out to find the kind of actors. Sorry, I'm setting out to find the kind of actors that get it. Yeah. That read the script and are like, I can read the text, the subtext, the context. I understand the tone and the tone is the hardest part because the tone is, esoteric bizarre sometimes the tone is broad it can be very theatrical I sometimes set out to make things and I have to tell great actors who are very subtle that I don't want a subtle performance and it's very difficult I think for some actors to unlearn nuance and Mm -hmm. subtlety because they've learned that so that they can have a great career and I come in and I'm like "No, no 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 you should be acting like you're in a Broadway musical you should be acting totally different And I think once you find the team, and this is behind the camera and in front, that understands the tone, then you're closer and closer to having the thing you want because the best actor in the world just might not get the script. And 
connecting on that level is how we get to set and have the best experience. You know, it's not just that they're quote unquote good at acting. They have to be, yes, on the wavelength of the tone or else I don't think we will have the project nailed. And the project nailed is about the movie in my head, the movie in their head, and then the movie we make together. Cause that's the only one that exists. Yeah. Like I can't describe to them what I want because there are no words really. You get as close as you possibly can. They can't describe to me what they're reading because there are no words. They get as close as they can. And we find this other space where together, you know, we're doing it. I'm, I'm, the film I'm working on right now, Andrea Riseborough is the lead, and I think she's brilliant. I think she's brilliant in every single thing she's in, um, and different, vastly different, huge range in everything she's in. But now that we're here shooting, and I watch her, I see that she's making these choices that I would never, ever have written down. Mm-hmm. I would never have imagined them. They're her own inflections on the character and they're bold choices choices that are not on the page and that means I get to see my character come to life in a totally different realm and that is also a part of what I look for like someone who's going to take some ownership of the part and fly away with it like within the you know universe I've created but just truly embody it and make some bold choices that's my favorite that's yeah that's really amazing like um yeah I think it's like when because I've been like made a like couple of films here and there for school but it's like when you work with people who like get your idea and they do something that you never think of but that really excites you I think like that's when you know that's like that's a good partnership that's those are the kind of people that you want to work with yeah, imagine having such a big ego or having so much vanity that you don't want anyone's good ideas to make your good ideas better. Mm-hmm. You have to leave space for a collaborator to elevate your work or else um, you'll just be stagnant. Yeah. You know, you need to be unafraid to fail. The best space to be in is you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And that's when you can make your best work, I think. Yeah. Um, also, I guess talking a little bit more about collaboration, but more on the, uh, I don't know, pre-production side, the like non-performer, but um, I said this a little bit earlier, but all of your films have like a really um, striking like visual style and all, um, generally quite... Um, like elegant maybe or a little bit more I think it's like a a contrast sort of to like the the um tension that you create it's this very like um elegant or almost like sentimental sort of like styling from the like um the set direction to the costumes to everything is that like something that you like when you're writing a story are the visuals like sort of strong in your mind first or is it like I have to get the story down and the tones and the thoughts and feelings and then once we know like all the all the story bits, then we're gonna see what visuals work with it, or is it sort of like all at once, just ideas sort of like flooding out? It it is different every time, but the way that it usually works is the plot comes last. Mm. Like the idea, which is obviously not the plot, comes first. Mm. So you know, I'll be thinking about like recently, I started a script and I was thinking about um, romance novelists. And I just was thinking about the life of a romance novelist, um, a woman who's maybe like 
in her late 60s, early 70s, who's been writing romance novels. And then before I start to think about what will happen to her or where it will go, I start to think about what universe she lives in. Like, does she live a life that's like a very um, sort of grand divine life? Like, is her world like a giant home? Is her world like a traveling world? Like, Mm -hmm. is she someone on a book tour? Like, I start to think about where to place her in a universe. And then I start to think about what she looks like. And that is, you know, her hair, makeup and costumes, obviously, but I'm painting the picture of her face and her body and the people that inhabit her world, what they all look like, what the tone of their voice sounds like. Mm -hmm. Do they speak colloquially? Are they like, you know, a bit more refined in their speech? Once I understand exactly the universe, the whole fantasy of it, then I can start to be like, okay, she witnesses a death or something. And then I can start to think about the story and and place her in, uh, you know, the sort of chaos that you need in drama. But all of my ideas come from who my characters will be, you know, what my actors will embody, what they will look like, how they will speak, the world they live in. And then I start to think about, like, the horrible shit I'm going to put them through. (laughs) Yeah. That that makes sense. I guess that's also, like, that's a very human thing where it's, like, this world that we, like, exist in um, and that we were, like, born into, it existed before us. So our story starts once we're placed in the world. It's not like the world starts once our story starts. Um, Yeah, I put so much emphasis on my art department, my hair, my makeup, and my costumes, like, I I put much, much, much emphasis on it. And I want to give those people that will land um, as those department heads something to really create. I I like to give artists the opportunity to make art in my work. They're not um, my lessers. They're my equals. And I want to set up a landscape where they can make quite a bit, you know, I wouldn't be happy if I made a a film where everyone was just in blue jeans with regular hair. It just doesn't work for me. I want to be able to take my script to somebody I admire Mm -hmm. and say, you're going to be able to create these looks that are iconic and memorable. You're going to be able to create something that feels high fashion and progressive and forward thinking that feels gender blending or, or feels heightened and this way I'm giving them the opportunity to make art inside of my art and we're like a snow globe of art and that's why the work comes out so strange and and cool and I I, I, that's why I'm so proud of it my part in it is only one dimension and then I hire the best people and then it becomes three dimensions you know yeah yeah it's super cool I remember when I went to see Lady World when it played at Next Wave with one of my friends, like, the first thing she said, or, like, one of the first things she said after the film was over, she was just, like, they look, like, so cool, like, that's what, like, that's what I want teenage girls to look like in movies all the time, I don't want them to just be, like, I don't know, like, wearing what, like, I don't know, like, some, like, 30-year-old white dude sitting in an office, like, thinks they look like, like, we're not all just, like, gossip girl over and over again, yeah. Oh, yeah, and we're getting a lot of that. You know, we're getting a lot of that. 
I mean, I, the bummer is that only movies like Black Panther and, you know, A Wrinkle in Time and then, you know, some really grand, you know, Downton Abbey or something are really giving actors the opportunity to wear things and look ways that are, you know, outside the realm of, of, of the, the, just the drab and norm. Mm-hmm. I think that it's sad that only these giant tentpole films and these period films want to play with that creative vision. Like indies should be thinking about that all the time. I know that people think it's distracting. They fear that it will pull away from the story, but just a little more energy and a little more thought put into those departments, I think really it takes your film somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why someone wouldn't want to be somewhere else. Like, yeah, but you know, I'm me. So that's my taste. But, um, the movies that I respond to in the past, they have really elevated looks and horror films, you know, do a very good job of that as well. Um, but, but it's not that prevalent. And I, I always perk up when I see it. It's very exciting to me when I see attention to that kind of detail. Cause it's, it makes everything kind of so special. It gives it this, it really gives it this power. Yeah. Yeah. That's super, super true. And yeah, I guess not something that I really, I think it's like one of those things where it's like when I see it and I see good costumes and I like pay attention to it. Or when I see really bad costumes, I pay attention to it. But when you just see, like, in the middle, just run of the mill, it's not bad, but it's not good. But I think, like, paying that little bit of attention can, like, push you over the edge into good from just okay. Yeah, everybody wants a different thing out of movies. And that's a funny thing for me to rock my brain around. Because I'm always like, don't you want... (laughs) don't you want to be taken out of your mind? Don't you want to have your mind blown? Aren't you looking for something ecstatic and electric? And um, no, not everyone is, which is, I think, totally fine. Of course, everybody, you know, there's media for everybody. I just wish there was more media for me. (laughs) True. Would you ever, because you like, would you ever like consider like directing a fashion film or something like that? Is that something that you'd like be into or... Totally. And I, I have done little bits of fashion, like web fashion things and stuff. And I, I love doing it. I mean, the thing is, is I love, I really do love working with models. They give you a, 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 a definitely different take on things than actors do. Um, and I find them to be very easy to work with and I find them to want to try and try and try and try and try. They're not stuck in their way. Um, in the same way an actor might be. Though obviously, my preference is actors because I I love um, I love writing. So yeah. But I I think a fashion film future is definitely a path I would I would go down you for sure. Yeah. For um, sure. Yeah. I guess another little thing because the podcast episode is talking about Lady World. I was just sort of wondering what it was like to work with that group of like young actresses because it's like now. Um, Maya Hawks and like Stranger Things like really blowing up and then Odessa just had like a new Netflix show come out or um I guess this fall I just saw it the other day was I was going through but was it like like what's it like working with people who are um so young and I guess like at the time are relatively like 
new compared to like so many people in Hollywood um, to acting and especially with your sort of like non-typical vision was that like something that was really exciting or was it a little bit more like was there a little bit more tension on set with people being like unsure of their voice maybe as an actor or um I will say uh that is a a group of eight absolutely dedicated professionals um they did not feel like teenagers in their work process they did not feel like young people in their work process they were very um elite as far as like cameras are rolling and it is their best ability always um yeah when cameras aren't rolling like there's mega adorable energy and there's just mega youth and there's spirit and there's like you know the and the kind of spirit that I think really helped my crew um feel young and feel good I mean it was an amazing set because we were all sort of uh not just crammed in a space together but also crammed in time you know we had 12 days to shoot that it was much 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 like dedicated focus to being like we we cannot lose a moment so we have to get through every scene and we we have to get through the coverage and we we can't like get baggy and loose we've got to be really strict with our day and um the girls, I think, really gave us the energy to do that. They were alive and uncynical and not bitter. And they weren't, you know, the only, the only great thing about being new um, to the business that I think everyone appreciates is that there's wonder. Mm. And everybody wanted to see each other work and wanted to compliment each other and no one wanted to just scurry off to a trailer or a warming van or get away from anybody. Everybody wanted to process the entire thing together. And so I thought they were major, major professionals. And I loved every second of directing them because I was like, I'll never have this experience again. Likely in my life, I will never get eight teenage girls again in a room only acting off of each other without a single adult in this on screen um just vibing off of each other just providing energy towards each other just supporting each other um it was an incredible experience in my life directing them so now as I move forward I work with this this cast that I'm working with now they're we're all adults we're all oldies (laughs) but goldies um and uh it's totally different it's not that there's no wonder there is, it's just, these are people who have done it many times Mm -hmm. and they're like, yes, this is how movies are made. I'm going to be standing around. I'm going to be waiting. I'm going to be asked to say the same thing over and over and over. And they're very steady. And, and that, that focus is there, but it's not that same, like, wow, it's all really happening. Yeah. And I, I love a wow. I live for a wow. You know, I, yeah. I think I went all through Lady World wowing. Wow, 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 wow. The whole time, you know? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds amazing. Um, Yeah, it would, I feel like just like as like a young person, that's sort of like the thing I, I sort of am afraid of losing as I like learn, learn more and more about different industries, especially like now being in university where the, it's just like grinding you down is like losing that like wow at like learning or like 
what like whatever it is that I've just like now that I've been doing things for more time. But I think I think the wow is always there if you're willing to look for it. It has to be. I don't know what you're doing making art it, if you're not feeling that. Like yeah. behind the monitor, you should always be feeling the emotion that's appropriate for the moment. I mean, you should always be feeling overwhelmed by whatever the sensation is the actors are trying to put across to you. Um you should always be feeling sad if it's a sad scene and uplifted if it's an uplifted scene. And that should not end. Like you're the first audience member for these actors. You're the first piece of watching. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't feeling anything and you become embittered and a bit cynical and you're like, okay, great. Moving on. Let's go. Yeah. Um, you, I don't know. The, the space you know, between you is just, it's too wide. You, you got to lean in more and yeah. find the intimacy and the romance still in the art or else, I mean, you just can't lose that. You can't yeah. ever lose it. I don't think. Also, it's just like, you talked about a little bit how, um, you're like very like, yeah. Like talking about like dropping your ego, um, with like bringing your films to an audience, but have you found that there's like a particular audience that you really enjoy sharing your films with or that you like are really excited um, to share work with or that you're like, I'm making this film and oh, like I thought of this person that I think or like these people I think would love it. Or is it just sort of like you want ev any everybody to see it and just see what they think? You just want to like know what well, people. As far as showing an audience, I'm the next wave audience was my favorite audience. Yeah. I had the best time and I, I, I had just such an incredible experience at Next Wave because um, I was showing the film to peers of my cast, uh, people who were in the same age, people who were feeling the same feelings, hopefully, or yeah. or were closer to that original um, that like that original mindset of like wow, these years are difficult for really, you know, complicated reasons. And therefore, like, the Q&A was just amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. Like, yeah. thoughts were coming out that I was like, wow, I mean, that makes me feel so good that I made. Like, it was, it was an audience where you walk away being like, I think I got more than, out of that than they did yeah. even. And I loved that. Um, but no, I don't, I don't make work for a specific niche. I think... I think, you know, when I was slightly greener and younger, I would have said I make work for weirdos or something, or I make work for people who are like a bit fringe and want to see something that is a bit more chaotic than the, the regular work that they're shown. Um, but I don't even know that I feel that way anymore. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there's something uh, to just putting my fantasies out into the world. And I think that anyone from square to squiggle uh can find something that they love about it or hate about it but feel strongly about that they either relate to or that they're concerned about or that touches them or makes them question something um I certainly don't strive to as we talked about earlier make anyone love me or love it that's not on my plate or on my mind, but I don't care anymore about the demographic. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. I really just want to make 
work. I want to put things on screen that nobody else puts on screen. Yeah. Want to be slightly peerless in the sense that I want to not compromise and, and I want to not pull back, you know, my friend always says no one ever paid for under the top. And I think it's true. I'm slightly over the top and I don't want to stop doing that. I don't want my tombstone to say, wow, she was really dignified in all of her choices. (laughs) You know, I don't want my tombstone to be like, wow, she really held back and very normal, kind work that everybody could appreciate. It's like, that's not a life worth living for me. I would way rather screw shit up and I would way rather like, you know, turn, just like turn the dial and turn it and turn it and push and push and push. Um, That just sounds like a better way to make my work. So I think that the demographic that, that is interested in being taken out of their comfort zone is mine. That's, that's what I'm looking for, you know, no matter what's going on in their life or where they live or, what they do or what they normally think if they want to see something that's fresh then they're for me and I'm going to give them something fresh you know that's cool I feel like that's a nice little sentiment to sort of like wrap up on but like one final question because today today's Halloween um so happy Halloween um but yeah um I was just wondering do you have any like Halloween movies or even just like scary movies that you really love that you maybe want to recommend or that you inspire you or you think are just a good time wow I mean I'm a real I mean I'm sorry I'm going right down the middle guys I'm a real sucker for Stephen King and I think every Halloween is a great time to watch the best and worst Stephen King movies um he's a madman he's a genius uh, you know, so on the, on the great side, we have The Shining, we have Carrie, we have Misery, uh, Dolores Claiborne, and then on the bad side, we have Pet Cemetery, Thinner, uh, The Dark Half, I think they're all worth watching, get in there, get, get in there, um, fun, you know, I would never, ever, ever call them bone chilling, and I would never call them that spooky, but they are such well- conceived uh plots and i'm a huge fan of the first it so the miniseries not the new whatever the hell that is um but the one from the from my childhood um in the 90s it's incredible it's bizarre it's weird it's long it's totally uh corny and it's just incredible so so please if anyone is looking for something to watch watch the first it it's great that sounds great. I haven't watched the first it. I haven't watched it, but maybe that's something I can do tonight because it's Halloween and we can't go outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is um, like funny old TV, but I, it is you know that uh, why not? Why I not? love that. Like I um I watched Return of the Living Dead for the first time a couple months ago, and that blew my mind. So I love. A little, a little bit of cheese is, I think, perfect. Horror films, I mean, I, I would also, like, wanted to give a major shout-out to Shudder. If you don't have a Shudder account, like, and you like horror films, you got to get one. And there's free trials for Shudder. You can just try it out. It's, like, they have such cool scary movies, like, the coolest from, 
you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s. Like, you can watch rad slasher films. You can watch, like, great, like, chainsaw movies and, like, people getting killed in the mall. There's a really good one called Chopping Mall. Oh. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, pretty great. And then always, you know, the best of the best are the giallos. So Argento and, um, you know, Bava and stuff like that. You can't go wrong because they're just gorgeous. And the blood is thick as paint and as red as a tomato and as fake as fake can be. And it's such a fun time, you know? All looks amazing. More more is more, you know? It's Halloween. More is more. Yeah. That is like really that should be the spirit of halloween like yeah more <laughs> is better <laughs> the bigger the weirder the grosser the redder the juicier uh yeah chopping mall chopping mall it, perfect it's crazy <laughs> thank you so much for doing this little q a thank you Nora. i'm so happy to be here i'm so happy to be asked questions by such a smart woman i'm really grateful And we're back. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Great interview, Nara. Great points were made. Yeah, I'm so smart. My brain's so big. Um, I mean, Amanda even said that you were so smart. I know. So much validation. Now I request that everybody who listens to this sends me a message telling me how smart I am. (laughs) Um, Nara's brain grew three sizes. Literally. I have like mega mind head right now. My, yeah, I'm, it's actually kind of concerning. I'm blue. My head is huge. <laughs> it's this is what happens. Um, Amanda, you did this to Nara, so <laughs> I mean, thanks. Like, I guess, but uh, yeah, we're a little worried. Stop spreading Mega Mind Head. <laughs> Be careful. You know what? This is the great Mega Mind Head. Is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And nobody can prove otherwise that I don't have Mega Mind Head because we're all supposed to be at home because quarantine is getting back slowly. <laughs> Woo! Woo-hoo! Sad, scary. But anyway, yeah, Um, one of the things, I guess this is sort of kicking it off. I, I chose the film as we mentioned. Um, Kick it off. For our, like, scary movie series that was, like, for Halloween, but it's after Halloween, but that's fine because we can extend holidays. Yeah, um, it's Hallowack. It's our mini series about scary movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't yeah, know. It goes on however long we want. Who cares? Who cares? We did like seven episodes for the series about Whack to the Future. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I chose this movie. I don't know if it's particularly scary but i think it is like stressful and very like uneasy and intense and suspenseful and it is like if you look on online streaming services or imdb or whatever it is categorized as like a thriller horror drama kind of thing so yeah scary movie um but i chose it because it is a film that i've been very excited about since i've seen it um and i like that it is a very sort of like contentious film where it seems like if you look at the ratings on any 
given website, they're just sort of all over the place. Um, like Hell it's yeah. it's like really heavy to like the good side and then really heavy to the bad side. So it it is a film that you will have opinions on. You're not just gonna feel nothing about it. And if you feel just like met about it, then I might also just be really interested to find out why because I think it is ha- it is a strong feeling film, and I feel very strongly positive about it. I feel very strongly positive about it too. Uh, and that's something that Amanda talked about a little bit in your interview was just like uh, not wanting to make films that are going to like satisfy everyone because as a, just as like an artistic process that feels like unexciting to her. Um, you know, she was saying like, she's, she, she has a lot of respect for films that are able to like, uh, be so like universally loved and do like appeal to everyone, but that she just wants to make films that like have very clear uh, decisions made and really make choices. And whether you react very strongly or negatively to that uh, is kind of in the eye of the beholder, but I certainly respect that. And I mean, me personally, I react very positively to this film, but uh, I'll always love, or at least be interested in a film that like makes very clear and decisive choices over just like a middle of the road like oh yeah that's pretty good but uh, i don't really see the distinct personality of the filmmaker behind this one i think it'd be hard to come out of lady world and say yeah i i just didn't i just i just didn't see any personality in that one kind of a anonymous you know journeyman director, <laughs> yeah, yeah anyone could have done that i don't know <laughs> was that a uh, ron howard <laughs> yeah just some nobody studio hack i don't know <laughs> ron howard getting assigned <laughs> you know what i'd like to see that i'd like to see that happen did you guys see the hillbilly elegy trailer no no Okay, Ron Howard. Well, tell us about it. No, come on, you invoked it. Come on, bring it. What, what do you got to say? It just looks. It looks really bad. It's this guy called J.D. Vance. He wrote this book. I haven't read it. It got a lot of acclaim, but I think there's been a big backlash about it. Where he's like, um, his mom and his grandma are from like Appalachia. You know, they're from like the very rural United States, mm-hmm. and he was raised by them and stuff. Um, but his his book is about like the the death of the hillbilly way of life and the Appalachia way of life. Okay. But the the trailer is like um, Amy Adams and Glenn Close in this like ridiculous makeup um, <laughs> as his like mom and grandma. Uh, it, oh man, it looks so bad. There's a part where they're like, there are three types of people in the world: good terminators, bad terminators, and neutral terminators. And then it cuts to each character that they're referring to. <laughs> it's like a neutral terminator. It's just so strange. You know about Anyway, um, sorry to get off track. You know about the legend of JD Vance, right? Uh yeah, of course. But tell me. Uh it's a terrible joke. I was trying to make like a reference to the legend of Bagger Vance. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> Not even really a, a joke. Uh, can I say? Can I say my worry with this episode and why I immediately derailed and started talking about hillbilly elegy? Why? Yeah. I feel so unqualified to talk about a film like this. I saw it before with Adam 
and and con guest of the show. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Um, when it around when it came out, did you watch it at Next Wave? Um, at, at TIFF Next Wave Festival, yeah. Yes. Um, and I felt similar to how I did watching it this time, where it's like I totally res- respect this, and there's a lot of like things I admire about it, but it's just so far from. Sorry, I'm getting text. So far wow, from popular guy. No. <laughs> Yeah, no, you are. You are a popular so guy. Popular. <laughs> yes, you are. The movie, the the movie, so far from my kind of movie. Usually, like the things I I usually grab onto, like story, um, and it's like surreal in a way where it's like hard to keep track of. Well, I guess that there there are di- clear dynamics and stuff, but it's like like world building and, and things like that. So it's feel like i might not have as much to say uh just a heads up i guess <laughs> that's all right nara's got like a lot to say i have so much to say yeah i first saw this film for tiff next wave um because not to brag or anything i was on the next wave <laughs> committee which means i gotta watch a bunch of films and choose which wow. ones i thought were good for public viewing you're so um, popular yeah, who's popular <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that makes me popular um but just cool and powerful yeah it just makes me powerful i'm the elite um <laughs> popular in the international cinema community wow yeah yep. yeah um but the first time we watched this it was a screening day and what we would do is um a lot of the times because there's so many films we had to go through it'd be like weekends um we would do like a day where we just watched like three films in a row and this film was right in the middle of that day. Like, we watched a film in the morning that I don't remember. Then this one right in the middle of the day while we were eating lunch. And then another film at the end of the day, which was Slut in a Good Way. Which is, like, a super fun film. And I was, like, sort of nice to follow up Lady World with. But we watched Lady World right in the middle of the day. Um, and we were, like, in this dark, like, basically classroom at TIFF. And we were just, like, sitting on uncomfortable chairs or, like, on the floor. Um... <laughs> and it was such a weird experience to like watch this film but i'm so glad that i watched the film doing that and we were also like eating popeyes like while watching it oh wow that sounds so Cause, good because uh-huh. that's what they got a film so i was like sitting there eating like macaroni and cheese out of like a styrofoam container watching this film and then after i watched this film for like two or three days because of the film made me so tense my back just hurt really badly <laughs> really. <laughs> oh wow we are also on classroom chairs. Yeah, for three that, pro- that probably that, didn't help. That too. That probably didn't help. But yeah, I just remember. Th- and the Popeyes was probably bad for your joints. <laughs> yeah, the Popeyes. The Popeyes is actually just like reverse like Tylenol or whatever. It's just like it creates right. joint pain. It doesn't take it away. They're the needles in the commercial. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, the needles. That's Popeyes. <laughs> I, I love the behind the glamorous red curtain of Tiff. It's like you're yeah, in the classroom, <laughs> sitting on the floor, <laughs> eating Popeyes. It was a great experience to watch this film, though. Yeah. And then it played again at, at Next Wave, and everybody, like, all my friends, I was like, you have, like, if you see one film at Next Wave, it has to be this one. Like, you have to see it. Because I was so hyped about this film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was planning on going to see it anyway because you told me it was really good. But then Seb and I met Amanda Kramer before the screening after uh, we hosted 
battle of the scores. Oh yeah, because oh. we're really po- very nice. we're really popular. You're so popular. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. I wanted to round out the trio. I'm popular too. Uh, <laughs> and Amanda was so nice and supportive, and really nice. loved our hosting. So I was like, okay, well, I was already 90% sure I was going to go, but now I'm like 110% now sure. Now we got to go. I we're got locked it. in. I got it. I'm, yeah. We were locked in as a, as a, as a duo. We had to make an appearance <laughs> as a duo. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't like just an obligation thing. Like I, you know, Oh, no. I was so excited. People were talking about the movie. We wanted to see the movie. Yeah. I'm just saying we had to go as a duo at that point. <laughs> I guess you so. aren't gonna just like go show up and be like oh hi and sit on opposite sides of the theater yeah we, we were locked in to go together um but yeah I just remember like very distinctly being very tense and shook after mm-hmm. the movie uh, I remember walking along Spadina after and it was like February so it was kind of cold out too so like you know my joints were a little tense but uh <laughs> I just do very distinctly remember like an, a, a very overwhelming, like uncompromising or uncompromising is the wrong word. I, a, a very overwhelming feeling of just like uh, 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 discomfort, I guess. Um, and obviously that's very intentional within the film. That's one of the things that I really love mm-hmm. about the film is that like, you know, a lot of horror movies obviously sit or thrillers sit in this like very deep, uh tension and want to make you uncomfortable but more often than not there's still at least some moment of like comedic relief or there's some moment of like breath or something that like allows you to calm down so that those other moments of tensity are like really uh acting like contrast but this film is very much like no we're gonna embed you in as much uh discomfort intensity tensity as possible without like ever giving that moment of uh, reprieve and I, I I just crave it so badly uh, and that's like part of what mm-hmm. I what I love about the film it really makes me want to escape the house yeah but I think like the difference between this and a conventional th- thriller in that way that you're describing and like how you watch it it's like at least for me as a kid I was like uh, you know freaked out by movies easily but I'd understand that you know this is the part where it's calm right right you know like there, there's a formula and it's like, this is really scary, but after there's going to be, you know, a denouement of some sort, but this, there's not really any structure or story. So it's like every scene, you're like, what's going to happen? Right, right. And every scene is kind of uncomfortable. I don't know. If, do you remember this, Adam? The movie was making me so uncomfortable and tense that when they start the thing about like, you're a dirty pig and stuff, oh, yeah. I couldn't stop laughing. Like I started <laughs> laughing and I really had trouble stopping. I think that's- Cause like everything in the movie is so weird. Honestly, I think like that like is also like what I like so much about the film is that it's just like so weird and intense that you just like, like you just feel so many emotions like very intensely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember, like also, like watching it, like the second time I watched it in the theater with people, is everybody like watching it. I like turned to look at people to see how they're reacting. Everybody, everybody had like different expressions on their faces. Like some people looked really horrified <laughs> and worried, and then there's other right. people who are just like laughing, and other people who are just like straight faced, like super serious. And I was just like, that's so interesting that it's just like such a right. like, overwhelming emotional film that everybody's like on it, like resonating with it in a different way. 
Because you don't know, like, you, it, it's like what you're saying, Seb, like, you don't know how you're really supposed to react because it feels so mm -hmm. different from how a movie is normally training you to respond. It's like, uh, yeah, I think, like, watching movies, a lot of the time you get just get that kind of, like, Pavlovian response. Is that the right word? Where it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, this is the part where I'm supposed to laugh, so I can laugh here. This is the part I'm supposed to be calm, so, like, all right, it's good to be calm here. But because you're so like embedded in a in a film that's so actively uh, anti structure and convention, it's like that allows for a, a reaction like what you had said, where you laugh at this part that like I was I was terrified. I was terrified at that moment. Yeah. But it's like your body almost doesn't know how you're supposed to react because you're not used to you're not used to something like that in a movie. Someone someone said on Twitter. This one, the director said, um, reaction shots tell you how to feel mm. and experimental films don't have those. That's kind of what separates them. Mm. I don't know if that's entirely true, but it is something I think about a lot. And in this one, there's a lot of like these very, you know, elegantly framed shots of the entire group of girls. And it's like they're all reacting differently. And you can kind of latch on like there's uh character who's kind of the main character is kind of a level-headed one mm -hmm. but it's like sometimes she doesn't know how to react or you're like aren't you gonna step in and do something here or something and there's like all these different characters um giving you that full range so it makes sense that it created that same range in the audience yeah yeah, yeah that's true do we do you want to summarize really quick just like at least the, the setup. setup of the film yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, so it's, you know, a surreal kind of experimental film. There's, It's not, you know, a conventional story, as we've said. But the setup is that there's a group of nine, eight? Um, eight. I, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. There's a small it's a, group yeah. of girls who are attending a... Teenage girls who are attending a birthday party. Um, and an unseen, what seems to be, earthquake has sealed them in a house together and sort of a Lord of the Flies kind of scenario of them um, having to survive, but mostly just kind of what happens socially yeah. uh, plays out um, over, I guess, a few days. It's, it's ambiguous amount It's of very time. unclear. I was trying to, this time when I was watching it, I was trying to like count how many times they like go to sleep or whatever, but because they're just like in this house... In like a weird monotony like it literally could have been like a day or it could have been like two weeks like mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, it's interesting it's like you know obviously you think about quarantine now when you're watching it and it's like i used to think like oh if you were sealed in somewhere you would go crazy right away and i guess we're not sealed in but now i'm kind of like kind of done a mini version of that you don't yeah, immediately but they had start no, killing people they had no water they had no food yeah and I, it's a heightened <laughs> version and, and whatever. it's also like i think it'd be different if you're like trapped in a place with people that you don't really know with nobody who really is knows or is familiar with the space with your with your high school class yeah yeah or whatever um <laughs> it's also like i mean i, I know you're not like I know you're not pulling threads at like the plot right now, but it's also like mm -hmm. pointedly not a, a a plot movie where it's like, 
oh, well, how would, it's not like, how would they survive if they were trapped here? Or like, how would they try to get out or anything like that? It's like, there's a brief moment where they like talk about trying to get out at the start, but, um, pretty quickly they just submit to like being there. And then, like you said, it is just about like the social dynamics that arise from, uh, this group of teenage girls being trapped in a place together. A lot of the movie feels like it's not even really literal. Yeah. Like what you're seeing isn't like uh, exactly what happened. You know, it's just kind of like trying to replicate what's going on in their heads. Yeah. Should we talk Yeah. characters maybe? Sure. Why not? Or, or about how the dynamics play out or whatever. That's my favorite thing about it is they're so recognizable. The dynamics? Yeah. The, the, the dynamics. Yeah. Well, we can, yeah, maybe talk yeah. about that because I think that'll just that conversation like lends itself to like exploring the characters a little bit. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. I feel like the main dynamic is like, or the main sort of like core of what we're following the core of the, the story, I guess um, is the dynamic between Olivia and Piper who are like the two people sort of fighting for power um, within the like group. Yeah. Yeah. Piper's uh Piper's like crew disturbs me so much. The way they laugh at other people is feels so realistic. They're not yeah. like movie bullies. They like laugh when they're kind of uncomfortable and then it just makes things worse. Mm-hmm. And there's just like this kind of very realistic natural cruelty to how they I, operate. I think what almost makes them more threatening, like that, like Piper and then what are their names? Mallory and I forget the last girl's name I'm sorry um but Piper and then like her the her two other friends um I think what makes them the most frightening to me is that like they seem like they actually like know each other and they're like like they are like friends and they are like a sort of like a group within this other group where it's like everybody else seems to sort of just be on their own like that's where a lot of their power comes from it's not like yeah piper is like intimidating and mean um and like vicious to a degree but i feel like it's just like the fact that they started off in the situation with the degree of solidarity for one another gives them the upper hand right yeah they already have like a, a clearly defined dynamic between them which almost like gives them social strength like uh there is a power, I guess, that comes from like already having a uh, like a, a connection amongst, amongst like a larger group, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That like grants them, at least in this film, like a certain level of like, I don't know, authority or power or whatever. I also think like there's a thing of like Olivia, as is called out in the movie, who's kind of the main character, is trying to uh, help and trying to keep them all together and you know very quickly like makes it clear how much she cares about the situation and the rest of the group and then so she kind of makes herself an authority figure like they literally vote to make her an authority figure and then anything piper does automatically seems kind of like this cool rebellious thing because right. it's like like i don't care about this as much or, or whatever and that automatically makes them the cool group because you, you don't know what they're gonna do or why yeah um but we also, the first thing we see of Piper is her breaking down and crying. And we see how scared she is and how, you know, that manifests into her being aggressive and weird. 
Right. Yeah. It's really interesting, like, contrasting, um, I guess, like, everyone, but specifically, like, Piper, um, like, Piper and Olivia's reactions to the situation against, um, Odessa Adlon's character, um, like, Blake against her reaction where she's very much, like, cares but, like, isn't too worried about anything. She's sort of just, like, going with it and doing, like, what she needs to do to just keep the peace as much as... I'm uh, checking to make... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, which character is that again? It's, like, she's the one that, like, keeps pulling out, like, the joints and... Oh, okay. And she's, like, gets locked in the closet at the end. Um, And, like, even when, like, the threat of, like, the man or whatever comes up where Olivia's um, response to it is, like, that's not real. Like, that's a lie. Like, that doesn't... Like, don't worry people more than they need to be. And then Piper is, like, no, we should be worried. And you're not, like... um, Like, you're not admitting how serious this situation is. Um, And then, like, Mm -hmm. Blake's reaction is to sort of just, like, meditate on it and then investigate to see if it, like, actually is an issue or not that they should be worried about. Um, Right. So it's, like, interesting, like, seeing these different, like, reactions where it's, like, maybe Piper's reaction is more justified being, like, if there is a threat in the house, like, and because of the situation, they should be worried Versus, like, Olivia's reaction where she thinks she's being level-headed by trying to keep people calm, but is, like, maybe not the most realistic or, like, the best reaction. Um, right. Versus, like, Blake's reaction, which is just, like, a very logical route, which is maybe not a reaction that is, like, realistic for a bunch of people in panic or a bunch of, like, teenage girls or, like, any group of teenagers in a life-or-death situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The characters I was most like. Can you guys hear Luke? I could. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cameo by Luke. Um, the characters I was most interested in was uh, Odessa Adlon and and Maya Hawks characters who were kind of like in between um, the two groups. Yeah. They weren't fully part of mm-hmm. either, but they kind of made their allegiances. That seemed extremely realistic to me, where it's like they're kind of like. Like, Odessa Adlon kind of seemed, like, too kind of cool to commit. Or at least, like, she just had her own thing that she was very comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to always be doing. But then Maya Hawk was sort of, like, um, insecure being on her own. So she's like, I guess I'll be with these people. But they never fully accept me. And there was always this cool blocking thing where it would always be Piper and her two friends. And then Maya Hawk would be a little off to the side. And it's like, she's kind of made her choice, but they don't fully accept her. So she's kind of... She's in the corner of the room or she's sitting with them a little bit distance. Yeah. Thought that was cool. Yeah. I think she also partly let... Sorry, Naria, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I think a lot of Maya Hawk's characters also comes from like that deep, um, like a deep insecurity where she's trying to convince herself that she's okay alone, but she's really not. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially with her like phone calls or like the phone calls that she acts out and then like Oh, right, at the right, beginning right. Yeah, when, they're, great. when they're trying to like pick a s- s- person to be in charge she's like no like let's just all be into like let's just not have a leader like why do we need that right um yeah where i think like that was like sort of how she like just in like not even in this situation just like in the world beyond she is like has like a deep insecurity with like being alone or feeling left out also yeah. thought like 
Dolly and her reactions to things were so realistic to me, just like such a type of person. Like, I know, you know, it's exaggerated a bit with the doll and everything, but like the type of person who's so um, unconcerned with being cool or popular, like whenever someone does something mean, she's like, why did you why did you do that? Why would you do something mean like that? I don't understand. Like, she doesn't understand why anyone would do something that was like to be cool or liked or whatever. She's like, this is the right thing. Why are you guys being mean about it? Right. Yeah. Just thought that's a very kind of real person. Yeah. I I know. Also very insecure, like everyone yeah. else. Yeah. I know when I, like, watched Lady World the first time, like, with all the next people, everybody hated Dolly. Everybody was like, she is so annoying. Um, really? And I, th- I think she is, like, irritating because it's just, like... Um, I think it is, like, it's irritating, but it's realistic. It's, like, just one of those things where it's, like, I, I feel like so many people would probably react as extremely as she did and be, like, as anxious as she was in a situation like mm-hmm. that. Um, and, like, just jump to worst-case scenarios. But, I like, I also understand the irritation where it's almost, like, this isn't, like, helping, so why do we need to voice it sort of thing. Or, like, mm-hmm. this isn't, like, um, or it's, like, this isn't, like, or maybe it's like she is annoying like what makes her annoying is that nobody else will take her seriously sort of thing so it's like in this movie world you don't like you're like this is uh, like um just like a dynamic that isn't really doing anything it really is just about exploring dolly's character so it seems like less necessary almost but i think that is like totally like important to the story and like so realistic to like how i think Maybe not most people, but I think, like, a decent amount of people would, like, react to that situation. Is just immediately jumping to, like, worst-case scenarios and immediately just being, like, if everything was nice, then we wouldn't have this issue. Dolly, right. Dolly's the one with the doll, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah. doesn't, who doesn't I, want to be called Dolly? Right. Uh... Yeah, I think she's great. I mean, I think she's kind of like the key to the in- entire movie because I think a lot of it is about like the the difficulty, the danger, the challenge of stepping into like adulthood, mm-hmm. womanhood, I-, I suppose. And she's the one who's like most clearly clinging to this idea of like uh, childlikeness, I guess. And 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 at various times throughout the movie, like the tension comes from other characters like almost wanting to forcefully rip that from her, like not on her own um, timeline. And yeah, so I, I, I think she's kind of like the, if not like the best character, then at least like the, 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 the key to the movie for me. Yeah. When I started watching it again this time, I was kind of like, is, I, is this performance bad? I wasn't like fully sold on the performance, but I think it's like, She's playing a character, Ryan Simpkins is playing a character who's not fully sure of what she's saying at any point. Mm-hmm. Right. So it seems kind of insincere or like not fully committed. But then as it goes on, you see like when when she really freaks out, she's challenged. One of her first lines is um, we all played with dolls yeah. at some point. And it's like that that's the whole movie. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think that's yeah, I'm, I'm like just thinking like saying the like sort of like the insincerity or like the uncertainty of the character I think maybe also like fed into why um she may have like she may come across as like kind of annoying um 
mm-hmm. is just because I think all these other girls, even if they're not super confident or super secure, they project that very well. They're like very yeah. good at pretending to be um like I guess like much more grown up and much more um comfortable or like at ease in the situation that they're making for themselves than she is where she's just like totally like not out of it but like very much like leading like with her emotions rather than with like a logical yeah well that's why i think she's so much the key is because she is like so transparently like oh yeah i i am uh not ready for this next stage of my life i haven't like prepared to uh uh, I'm not prepared to like step into adulthood. Um, and she's just very transparent about it. Whereas I think like everyone else, like you're saying is at probably a similar level of like uncertainty, maybe not a similar level. Maybe they're at different points, whatever. But I think it's just, the yeah, it's like everyone projects a certain level of like confidence and a, and a perception of like who they are in a very specific like identity of, uh yeah i figured myself out like i'm not clinging on to something but there's still like this deep uh uncertainty and fear about like that next stage of of our lives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i thought like you know it's a very hard time in, in high school and middle school and stuff to just kind of figure yourself out and i recognize in this movie like i felt like the kind of really extremes in terms of people trying to figure that out where uh, Dolly and Piper reminded me of that, where it's mm. like some people really latched onto the things they liked as a kid and they wouldn't let those go. Right. Um, and then some people insisted they were adults and right, like, really right, right. hard went like, you I'm, know, I'm drinking yeah. and, and whatever. And like, just kind of like projected this idea that they were above everyone else and whatever. And like, everyone does both of those things, I think to a degree. But those characters kind of embody that in a way that is cool. Well, even like Olivia, where it's like, I think she uh, is trying to project the idea of like, well, I am I am a well put together adult. I am very confident. I am like certain of myself. I know who I am. Um, but that, too, is just like a mask of like her own her own mm. uh, fear and insecurity. Yeah. I feel like she kind of like they call out that like she wants everyone to like her and whatever. But I also think like she's trying to create like I feel like almost the metaphor of the whole movie is she's trying to create like an illusion of control over this situation that no one understands. Yeah. No one has control over. Yeah. She's like, well, if I'm in charge and I, you know, order people around even to do only to like turn on the electricity and the phone lines, all she seems to tell people to do. <laughs> and it's like, at least I'm in control of this of this crazy lady world (laughs) i'm in charge i'm the mayor mayor. (laughs) 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 then it'll like make more sense to me somehow yeah Yeah. but it does not i think it's also interesting how you see um i don't know if they're necessarily like getting along at the beginning but they're not nobody's as like mad at each other or as like violent to each other as they get to at the end like before there's like the aftershock there's a scene where they're all like dancing and they're all sort of having fun together um and it Mm -hmm. seems sort of like um yeah i don't know it's just sort of like interesting to see where it's like there is i think that also like speaks to like being like 
a young person where it's like you may know that you're wrong or you're not like the best authority on something but you're it's like really terrifying to like say that and that like again comes from insecurity being like oh maybe Mm -hmm. i'm not well suited to do this or like i messed up doing this thing um so it's like that i think in that moment i sort of like saw that they were all like oh like maybe we could just get along without having a leader but then they like get out of that so quickly as soon as there's an excuse to have a leader again nobody wants to like admit and be like maybe we made a bad idea before maybe your idea was bad like nobody wants to admit that and go to like how they could just all get along very easily like there's a glimpse of of that Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah i mean in the high school yeah yeah no i said you go on no i was just gonna say i think about this a lot like the dumbest I ever was in my whole life was like in early high school when I thought I was so smart and I wouldn't admit <laughs> to like being wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. I thought I knew about everything, and it's like that's how you become like Ben Shapiro. When I think about this <laughs> is you just think you're smart your whole life, and like people tell you you're smart, and you never learn anything. Like, yeah, you never have to learn anything because it's like, oh well, I know best, so I'll just double down on you know how wrong I am. Oh, there were so many times like growing. I, I can distinctly remember like being in freaking grade eight and being like, well, I'm so smart. Like, I can't really imagine getting much smarter than I am right now. I'm I'm, the smart, I'm like the smartest person in the world. <laughs> and yeah, real like I only became smarter once I realized like, no, I I am not. I'm not I'm not stupid, but I'm not smart. I'm just like a person who's learning and trying to learn more. And that's what we have to uh Except, but I was going to also invoke high school in that, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like now I think I am a very uh, empathetic person who tries to uh, see the good in everyone and, and love everyone as best as I can. But in high school... There's no what... way you could get more empathetic. You're the most <laughs> empathetic person. <laughs> Sorry. Did I say I was the most empathetic person? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but you know, I try my best and I, and I try my best to be positive and and loving, but, um, in high school, that's the time where I was the most like, I guess, critical and harsh of like everyone around me. And I think was a Mm -hmm. lot more like cynical and, and saw the bad. Um, and I, and I think a lot of that just comes from like, that's a period in your life where like, you're so uncertain of who you are. Um, and it's easy, it was easier for me to like, just lash out at everyone around me and be like, well, that person fucking sucks and that person's stupid and whatever. And this kind of like competitive, like, uh, atmosphere that like enters my brain or this, this, this idea that like, I have to tear other people down in order to like, or or because I don't like feel certain of who I am. Um, and I think that that's the like great metaphor of this film it's like all these people placed together who who aren't quite sure of like who they are yet because they are in that stage where they are 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 haven't fully developed themselves um and it quickly devolves into like well we don't really have a grasp on like our place in the world and who we are so what we can do is like tear down the people around us because that's Mm -hmm. that's a that's a solution i guess I also liked uh, something I, I feel like I didn't catch the first time. Like, 
uh, Eden, the girl whose birthday it is, like just going like catatonic at the idea of like getting older and then just disappearing. Yeah, just going. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I would get really freaked out about my birthdays as a kid. I would hate that I was getting older and that time was passing, especially when I got to the age where I noticed like things uh, were changing, like, you know, you were becoming a teenager or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, related to that, even though she didn't say anything. Such an <laughs> existential time. It's oh, my God, a... I'm not yeah. I'm not young anymore. Yeah, hmm. it's also like for her, like it's her birthday. That's awful. <laughs> worst birthday ever yeah bad birthday well there is also so sorry dara were you, were you gonna go on no i was just gonna say that like is maybe up there and like maybe it is the number one worst birthday <laughs> but also i but guess I... you can go out yeah, yeah. actually no no please Nara, Nara. oh i was just gonna say also like with i think one of the things that also is sort of like in that like as you grow older and as you like one of the things that they grapple with a little bit at the beginning of the movie is like they don't know because they have no contact with the outside world like they don't know what the state of the world is like they're in this house that is basically like underground essentially like they can't see out the windows really they can't get outside they have no word from the outside and what they immediately think of is just like our parents can't save us like what will we do and i like think like again like that idea of like growing older and like naturally like you're gonna like distance yourself from your parents as you become more autonomous but like them just suddenly like not having the authority of their parents or the comfort of their parents it's like for all the girls in the house I think it's like really extreme and they sort of like there's no consequences anymore who's gonna tell us what to do besides us but then I think also for Eden's point of view it's just like she's growing up all at once like this birthday is just like straight from child to adult right yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah. They're, they're like completely left to their own devices um they they can't leave they can't contact anyone they are just on their own which if you were you know thinking of this movie from a very logical place you can start to crack holes in that but it's a symbolic movie and it's like that's what it feels like like that's what the 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 feeling is when at least for me being that age thinking like oh fuck i need to like figure out who i am and how to like step into the next stage in my life and i feel like i'm doing this completely on my own mm. i also think we should talk about the man the man i think that's interesting Nolan the Nolan. man the man who who i guess for most the of man. the movie so I don't. Seb, do you want to summarize the the plot point of the man? Dumb man. Uh, it's kind of just like they're like. Hey, we don't like the man. I don't. Wait, hold on. Right. Yeah, um, it needs to be. Is it wax? Yeah, we don't like the man. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how it first happens. It seems to kind of just start happening that there's rumors of a man. I in think the house. what it is is Eden said that she like saw him yeah. during the the earthquake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we don't even see her say that. No, right? she no we it. do. That's like the first thing Eden says, because Eden doesn't say anything for a while. And then they're all like oh, sitting right, around right, the right, table right, and right. she kind of And there's that a, shot. Yeah, yeah. Like zooms yeah. in. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, so Eden talks about seeing a man and then disappears. So there's kind of like this threat of the man. And then, um, but we don't see him for a long time. And when we do, he's kind of like catatonic and like 
while it really doesn't do anything, he just kind of lies there. He's kind of like dying. Yet, yeah, he yeah. seems he seems to be in bad shape, but still, dead. there's like the characters trying to appeal to him and stuff. Um, you know, even when they can't see him and don't know for sure if he's there. Yeah. Interesting. It brings up. I think that brings up like another. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something about it, but yeah, I agree. Interesting. interesting. I don't know. Well, let's get the ball well, rolling. Yeah. Say, no, that was a good way to get the ball rolling. I let's think pick that's... up some snow now. <laughs> I think that's one of the things about this film that sort of like <laughs> gives it more like uniquely like female experience traits or something like the threat of a yeah. just a man as an idea because it's like for most of the movie it's like you don't know if he's there or not you don't know who he is like they're like oh it's a man when it could fully be like eden's like father or family member trying to like get into the house or something um Mm -hmm. we don't know or like it could be like olivia like mentioned before that her like stepfather was like a firefighter so like it could be like somebody like that like someone that they fully know but the fact that it's like seven teenage girls in a house alone can't really get help the like idea of the man of a man is like the most terrifying thing like that's more terrifying than them running out of water or like not having food or something or like Mm -hmm. getting sick is this idea of a man in the house yeah yeah i I thought there was a sorry no no you go on so i i like that scene where they talk about um piper and olivia talk about like all girls like uh, smart girls want to be told they're pretty and pretty girls want to be told they're smart like they're kind of i thought talking about like these weird sexist ideas that are passed on generationally to the point where it's like even when it's just women there there's still this feeling of the male gaze on Mm -hmm. them yeah and they still feel like they have to behave a certain way or be appealing or you know be afraid even when they're on their own yeah yeah that was interesting. Yeah, I don't remember what the line is, but they mentioned that in uh, in that scene where it's like they're remarking how like that line of thinking is still like for the benefit of men. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's just like this looming presence the whole time where it's just like, what does what does the man want? What does the unnamed man want? Who mm-hmm. is like in the basement out of our sight? Um and the fact that, yeah, like you're saying, like, even completely on their own, they still have to be, like, completely concerned with, like, oh, fuck, what is this, what does this unnamed man want? And what does the man, like, as a larger symbol want? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck the man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Did we, did we have other stuff we've been talking? I... About 45. Um... Come on, you're trying to go already? I thought we were aiming for 40. <laughs> yeah, but we're just, the ball, the snowball is just rolling. Snowball keeps rolling. We just stopped talking for like a full minute. <laughs> we're picking up snow. <laughs> that wasn't a full minute. <laughs> like that just... was like at least 10 full minutes of silence. <laughs> That's literally, this podcast is going to be the interview and then just 45 minutes of silence that... right after. I I know, like, COVID-19 has, like, uh, you know, messed with our conceptions of time, but, Seb, that We've was, like... We've been talking for eight months. <laughs> We've just been trapped in this house. 
I don't know. Uh, I just like this movie a lot. I think it's really good. It's a great movie. I just thought of something else. I I'm trying to talk. I had more stuff. Um, this is like yeah, vaguely related to the movie, but more related to me. Um, but I was originally gonna choose this movie for when we did one location series way back, but then yeah. I decided not to because I thought that it would be too much of a downer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been wanting to do this movie for a while. I'm I glad have we, been. Glad we could talk about it. It's great. It's one of my favorite movies. Should we, speaking of downers, should we talk about the ending? Oh, when, yeah. When they fighting? The climax, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's lots of, like, kind of, you know, episodic things we could talk about. Yeah. Um, I like when um, Odessa Adlon is, like, spitting into the sink, and she's, like, lying in a way where either she had to crawl under the cupboard or, like, lift herself. I kept thinking about this for some reason. She's lying. Oh, yeah, because the cupboard. She's spitting into the sink. And there's a cupboard where she couldn't have been able to climb onto it because she couldn't fit her entire... Like, she had to go sideways somehow. Like, either jump in... I feel like you could just sort of, like, roll your body on. Like, if you're standing at... And it's, like, at waist height, you just put one leg up and then lie down and kind of, like, shimmy in. I guess so. You guys are I can do you that. guys are so good at remembering names. I'm like I keep going back to the IMDB when you say I, one, I went I'm back like, to the IMDb. Oh, oh, okay, that's the person you're talking about. Orient <laughs> my brain now. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Agreed, agreed. Oh, agreed. I didn't know who Odessa Adlon is. It's not even the name listed on IMDb. <laughs> oh yeah, it's Odessa Azion. Oh, did she change? Yeah, I I think I knew that that she changed her last name. Um, the only people I recognize are Ryan Simpkins from Brigsby Bear, who played Dolly. And I didn't realize it was my. I didn't realize I credits. like was watching when she was on Stranger Things. I was like watching like a couple episodes, and I was like, "She's so familiar. Like, who is that? Why do like I know that yeah. actress? Like, what? Like, how do I know her?" Um, and like I was like, "Oh, it's Maya Hawk." Like when it said her, so I was like, "Oh, okay." Like Ethan, Ethan Hawk child. Um, but I didn't. Oh. I didn't. And Uma Thurman. Yeah, and Uma Thurman. But I didn't oh. realize that she was in Lady World. I, like I didn't realized that she was in lady world and then i was like oh wow she was really really good in lady world i don't think i knew who she was when i first saw it but i remember people talking about her in the tarantino which i didn't even notice her in that either (laughs) i guess i didn't really know what she looks like (laughs) apparently she's one of the manson girls ah but yeah i thought i thought she was so good i thought um I think the girl plays Piper is great. Oh yeah, the, oh the girl plays Piper is amazing. Piper's so good. I also also another thing her on Piper and her two friends, they all have matching sweaters. Like they have matching outfits, kind of. Did all they? Of the, yeah, all of their sweaters. They're different colors, but all of their hoodies have like a little like grommet right here, like a little silver. Little grommet. Uh, little <laughs> silver cutout. Like uh, the Sesame Street character. Wait, is that Sesame Street? No, like grommet. Wallace and no, Gromit. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck! You're so right. How did I think of Sesame Street? <laughs> uh, you. It, Nar- you think of Grover. Yeah, I was thinking of Grover. Thanks, Seb, for pulling that together because that made it less embarrassing. But I honestly wasn't thinking of Grover. That's pretty close. Yeah, I guess oh, okay. so. <laughs> Grommet. Uh, Nara, you you uh, talked to Amanda about the costumes in your interview. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to shout them out. I mean, I don't have a lot to say on them, but I just think they're great. And I think that like immediately they give so much personality to each character. 
uh, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say on it, but I just think they're awesome. Yeah. I think especially it's like interesting mm-hmm. to have such like fun outfits and distinct outfits for a film that is like, oh, they're trapped in one house for multiple days. So they're going to have one outfit to wear basically. Yeah. Right. So it's like nice that it's something and- really fun to look at. And it helps with like the amount of characters when there's like no story or whatever. It's like, it's not like, you know, they go to the kitchen and one character is there. It's like, there's all these characters who are in every scene and whatever. It's like, it helps to ha- have like a simple outfit to identify them. Yeah. 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 But I think, I think the costumes are so fun. Oh, do you want to talk about the, the, uh, the score really quickly? Because we did open with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's all it's all voices, yeah. right? I think it's yeah. mostly voices. I think there's some like bass thingies that aren't like bass swells that aren't voices, right. but it is mostly voices, and I think that like just makes the film so much more stressful. To like it's so freaking cool. It's so good. Well, it's, and and I mean, if you were living there, like the only in in that moment where you're trapped, the only thing you're hearing is each other's voices and the silence that like uh, comes between those voices. So in in such a film that is so like uh visceral i don't know that the the score being primarily just voices and kind of like in this really sparse uh minimal way oh that's what it would feel like to be there it was great that was so good yeah it's great and uh i like the couple moments where it's like you think one of the characters is maybe screaming or something oh yeah 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 kind of like syncs up and you're like great editing is it it's yeah that's cool yeah just throws you off again yeah it is like it's weird because it's like it's so i think it's one of those things where it's like just like it's surreal but it's just grounded enough that you it it really does make you like question what is happening versus what is like just a stylistic (laughs) thing um, mm-hmm. but like in a like not cheesy like Hollywood like inception way where it is like legitimately right. just it's not obvious. yeah it it like is like exploring like yeah, just yeah, I don't know, I just think it's really effective and makes the film exciting to watch you you couldn't write lady world fan theory, <laughs> it was all in her head, she was in a coma. <laughs> I guess you could, but yeah, you probably be hard. You probably could. You could, but you can write those about it. <laughs> you could, but although why are you ragging on Inception though, Naro? I'm not. That's just the first. I think Inception I does, think it, does it so well, actually. But but it's not. But Inception like makes it you, makes you aware of it. I, I love Inception. Inception, but it's it's making it makes you pick. In yeah. this movie, it's not like it, it's not like there's two options and you like think about it yeah. and you go, my interpretation is this. It's like something happens and like you're like, huh? Well, Incep- then... Inception like so logically sets up every single thing that yeah. they that's need. a narrative movie. So that like yeah, when you get to the third act, it's like oh okay, that's that's how all of that makes sense, and then you can become so enraptured in just like what's happening because you understand like the 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 way it was constructed. But this is pointedly not that. It's just like we're we're, we're more in tune with the emotion of the character, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. you know all the logical stuff like we've been talking about is kind of whatever. Yeah, but but like I've seen movies where there's scenes where it's like 
you can go oh was that just a fantasy you know did they really die and then this is like their dying dream or whatever but i think this this movie it's like um it doesn't matter really what's literally happening right like it's more about the emotion and the, yeah and the characters you were you were mentioning the uh the ending earlier which i feel like we could talk about now oh, right um well i i i love it in that in in the vein of this that like i don't know we don't know who opens up the or i guess we should explain what the end is first seb take it away right the the tension between the two kind of factions between piper and olivia you know reaches ahead where to the point where um piper and her gang are physically very violent with dolly and olivia freaks out and she kind of retreats to the basement a whole bunch of stuff happens but they all the characters end up in the basement and then um the door to the outside opens we don't see who opened it It looks like it's open from outside Mm -hmm. and then the last shot is all the all the girls looking out um kind of towards the camera and uh losing it yeah and and just like on the uh on the symbolism of it like being all about stepping into the 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 next stage of adulthood of womanhood for these characters uh i don't know i love how i feel at the very end there that like nothing is resolved like they haven't really like figured out who they are they haven't figured out these relationships between each other it's kind of devolved into I mean, the, the worst possible thing. Um, but, you know, it's like, well, at a certain point, you just got to step out into the world and you probably won't have it figured out. Uh, and there's going to be more times when metaphorically you're like trapped in a house trying to, you know, understand yourself and the people around you. Like, is yeah, one door is now open uh, just because that's going to happen at some point man good luck go go ahead enter i think it's also take all the baggage with you yeah i think it's also interesting where it's like for so much of the movie that's just what they want so badly is to get out of this house and then like the way everything devolved and where they like their interactions with each other at the end it's almost like it would have been better if the door wasn't open and they weren't released at this time because it's like what are other people gonna see when they like step inside and like what are they mm-hmm. going to have to, like, what will they tell people, like? Yeah, I, I kind of thought it was closer to that. It, that's the moment that made me think of Lord of the Flies the most, where it's like, you know, Lord of the Flies ends with the adults arriving when the kids are, like, murdering each other and whatever. And then it, it's, like, this moment of, like, just shame of, like, oh, this is how we behaved. And now the world will see that. And I, I thought there was that kind of element, too, especially... I almost felt like, and you know, again, it's not literal and whatever. There's almost the implication that the door was unlocked and they could have left at any time. Maybe, yeah. Like it's not like someone busts through or something. Like they just open the door. Yeah, it's like yeah. the the implication because especially because like Eden gets out. Um... Right. Right. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. So I just kind of thought of of that of the idea of like oh we didn't have to do this yeah and then it's like everyone's gonna see how we behaved and and whatever and we don't see who's looking and whatever but you know we the audience are looking and we're seeing yeah them and and I feel like we're kind of you know hopefully seeing ourselves and going like remember when you were in that dark pit and whatever and yeah. how crazy you were yeah and also it's kind of like the shame like their shame that they're gonna have to carry to 
that they're going to have to carry forward is like just as important as anyone who is potentially looking upon them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like now it's like, what, what do they have to carry with them as they exit? But I, but yeah, I love that Mm -hmm. idea that like, yeah, I felt the same way. Like they probably could have left the whole time. It doesn't seem like it would have been that hard, but um, they never even really wanted to go into the basement. I guess Mm -hmm. the man was down there and we talked about that. But uh, we didn't know that. Yeah, we didn't know that necessarily. But yeah, but it's also like, you know, I think also the end is like with the shame <laughs> and everything is one of those things. Again, going back to their insecurity and like this, maybe in a way a haven of this like lady world where it's like, in this house they're free to experiment without judgment except for each other. But they're all sort of like on a level playing field. Like they're all restricted the same. But then it's like when they're like opening up to the outside world and like speaking out what they how they see themselves or how they um reflect upon themselves or who they want to be to the outside world that makes it all so much more real and like more definite almost um so yeah it is like again one of those things where it's like yeah it's one of those things where it's like maybe because it was all like situated inside this one house it can just be left in the past as like a weird terrifying traumatic time capsule or maybe like once the door is open, then everything from the house will be released to, like, um, exist in the real world. Right. I think that's kind of a fear you have, too, like, when you're, like, leaving high school or whatever, um, and you end up, like, you know, at a new school or new job or whatever, and it's, like, you kind of fear, like, people are going to find you out yeah, and, like, see how you were and whatever, so you try and tuck that away. And then you, I think, eventually figure out that Everybody was weird at this time. Yeah. <laughs> if you were cool in high school, you suck. And that's fake. That was a lie. You were not cool in high school. But even if you were cool, like, that's kind of weird. You know, like, yeah, everyone was weird in a way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you were, like, popular at your high school. You can't, like, take that with you anywhere. Yeah. And, it's not know, necessarily. Like, you a... can be confident, but. Yeah, it's not necessarily a thing that people are like, oh, yeah, that you were a cool person. Oh, wow. You're you're cool. Like you were always well adjusted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and everyone's like ashamed of who they were at that time. Well, I I can't say everyone, mm-hmm. but at least like probably embarrassed about <laughs> about a lot of things. No embarrassment. Yeah. I was perfect. Wow. Well, <laughs> congratulations, Nara. Um. Okay, I was just thinking about this. What if the whole film? It's the metaphor is your own psyche being trapped in your head about the person you want to be. All so these all competing these are, are parts of one yeah, all person. these competing different parts of one person. I should write a fan theory. <laughs> well, I'm no, not, that's I, a good I, that's I, a good <laughs> that's a good interpretation. I know you're not literally saying I'm not yeah, I'm not trying to build like a logical yeah, like this this isn't a literal theory. I'm talking about it as like the symbol. The metaphor. Yes. Yeah. What do you think? Checks out. It makes sense. Nice. <laughs> nice. No, you're wrong. You're completely wrong. It's, lit- it's just literally know, self- about these girls. <laughs> Self-hatred or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, it mm-hmm. is like... Yeah. Maybe that's just because I've been so in my head over the, over the quarantine about the mm-hmm. person I want to be. And... Uh, yeah going through these different parts of my psyches that are competing with one another 
where I feel like, check this out. The longer that I am inside by myself, uh, it's almost like the house becomes a symbol for like my head where I am so internal. I, I become so enraptured with only like what I'm thinking because I have no perspective about the world around me. And as soon as I get out of my house, I go on a walk, I go get some groceries. Immediately, I usually feel so much better. But when I'm so enraptured in my head, mm -hmm. I don't know, it can lead to destruction, self-destruction. Yeah. But don't worry, listeners, yeah. I feel okay right now. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I was thinking like, uh, you know, I think every confident person has an insecure version of themselves in their brain. And I was like, does it, you know, really insecure person have a confident person in their brain as well? But I think they do. Right. I think when I was the most insecure, I had a projection of the people I thought were cool or who I wanted approval of in my head. Me. Disapproving of the things I did. Mm -hmm. Yes, Adam. Like, I would watch Speed Racer, and I would go, this is just okay. And then the Adam inside me would bully me relentlessly. Sorry, Seb, I never should have interrupted your, your personal points. No, that's okay. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, you have these puppet versions, not the real person, you know, the puppet versions of the people who you're uh, trying to impress or whatever, looking at you and going like, Oh, what, why are you doing this? This is pathetic, whatever, you know? Yeah, 100%. When you're really down, I think you have uh, all these people who are judging you who aren't really mm -hmm. there. Yeah. You know? And the times where I'm like actually feeling confident, it's usually because I'm just not thinking about those like those voices mm -hmm. that you're describing. It's like I'm able to just like tune these imaginary conceptions of like critiques yeah. out from my yeah. brain. Like, I'm sure there are some people who are like, okay, I'm confident going into this. This is whatever going to make me confident. But I'm like, never before where I, where I go and like do something where I think other people like perceive me as confident or I feel like good doing it. I'm never before, like never before that am I like being like psyching myself up being like, oh yeah, you're so good. You're totally going to like do this. I think <laughs> like you project that confidence when you're feeling really stressed out or nervous about something. That's when you like have to like work yourself into like this confident mind state. But when you're actually just like, Right, 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 right. When you do something like really well, you're actually just like, yeah, it's just like something that I feel like I feel good about or I'm like excited for. Um, mm -hmm. It's not like something like going to psych myself up for this and like project the confidence onto myself or be like, I am a confident person, so I'm going to do a great job at whatever. Right. A Adam and I have talked about this, but like how many times... Has someone like said to you like, "Oh, I think of you like this," and you're like, "What?" Yeah, like you don't <laughs> like like oh, you're you're confident or you're doing so great or whatever. And you're like, huh? Yeah, it's like they have some weird. Everyone has some weird alternate version of other people that they mm -hmm. imagine. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like we were talking about that recently, Seb. Where, uh, yeah, it's like I've heard people tell me over the years, like, "Oh, yeah, you, you know, you seem like such a confident guy. I always have this idea that you are." And it's so confusing to me because I'm like, oh, I don't feel like that at all. How could anyone ever think that? Yeah. 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 Weird. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, well, we did whack Actor Avenue, basically. We talked about all the performances. Right. Ryan, good night if you're still awake. Good night, uh, Ryan. <laughs> do we got any last things before we go to the uh, the wacko meter? Um, I want take us to the meter. Our oh, side. I was just gonna say <laughs> shout out EC for watching this film on Halloween. I'm sorry. Oh, shout out EC if it stressed you and for listening. Yeah, and thank yeah. you for listening. And I'm I'm very sorry if it stressed you out a lot. But I see that you also like gave it like a four star review on Letterboxd. But I, I hope that because um, you posted on Instagram saying that it was very stressful, but then gave it a good review that it was like stressful in an effective way. <laughs> uh, also, EC, if you want to come on the podcast. Oh, yes, please do. Yeah. Let us know. We want you on. Um, yeah. Wax scores. Should we announce right. our new miniseries? Is anyone listening at this point? What is our new miniseries? Chris, Chris at Wack. Wack. Chris at Wack. Which kind of rolls into the holiday season well. Chris Kringle? Yeah, Chris, Chris, Chris Kringle? Chris at Wack. <laughs> Chris, Chris time? Chris at Wack. Chris I thought that's what you were saying. Were you actually referencing Chris Kringle? <laughs> yeah, of course. Chris Kringle. Oh. <laughs> that's what you were thinking. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah, but Adam brought it up saying it rolls nicely into Christmas mm-hmm. because of Chris Kringle. Uh, I said the holiday season, Seb. Don't miss. But you were thinking me. of what you were thinking yeah, of. Chris I was Kringle. thinking of Chris Kringle. <laughs> I was thinking of Chris Kringle, Seb. He who died for our sins. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. I was actually thinking of Jesus Chris, Chris Superstar. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know my middle name is Christopher. Did you guys know that? Christopher Robin? Three three first names. <laughs> What's the third have one? Ever... <laughs> have we ever referenced that on the podcast? I feel like we must have. The two first names theory, if anyone's still listening, that uh, anyone with two first names is destined for uh, greatness. Oh, yeah, we talked about That's this with Funke. I remember that. Funky Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What but are it has scores? to be first name, last name. I, a middle name doesn't count because a lot of people got middle. Unless you like have decided to go by like right. your first and middle name, I guess, as your stage name. That's kind of why I'm worried, to be honest, because like I love Bovaletta, so I'm not going to change my last name. But like it's not a first name. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to, you know, make it in this life. In this I don't know if I'm gonna, ever going to make anything of myself. Well, you made a podcast. Well, you could change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. USB, like, just professionally. You're right. You're right. You could also do the one name just... thing. Where you just Adam. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's just Adam, I can't Adam. think of a single person who has, like, a first, who has only had one first name who has ever, you know, been, like, uh, successful. McGee. Wait, you can't think of any person who goes by one name. <laughs> no, no, like first name. First name, last, last name? Last name that isn't a first name. I think you're correct. I don't think, yeah. I can't think of one. Can't think of a single one. Oh, I see. It's always yeah, two first names. Yeah. Every, you know, LeBron, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Chris Kringle. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. It's a verb. It's uh, not a last name. Doesn't count. Bruce Willis. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Mm. Um. Oh, you can also have. Thinking of Willard Fillmore. <laughs> I don't even really know who that is. is that a president? <laughs> I was trying oh. to think if there was anyone named Willis. John F. Kennedy. <laughs> True. Sure. I'm just um. saying, it goes in every field. All right. All right. <laughs> Dial it up the wackometer. Woo! What are people's scores? Seb, you want to start? Great. Um, yeah, I mean, probably a 4.5, I would say. Like, it's very unique. Uh, I can't really think of another film quite like this. Um, I think very successfully, but I think it's also, like, cool that a lot of people hate this film um i think it speaks to its uniqueness um but yeah i i think it's great i think it's really fascinating and uh we'll gladly watch it many more times one thing i will say on that point i just said i was kind of like scared to watch it again because like i said the first time i was so overwhelmed by it for like the rest of the day um mm -hmm. Maybe it's just like knowing what it was now. I didn't feel as like torn up this time watching. I think I was able to like actually appreciate the craft of it and the thematics of it a lot more. And maybe it's also situationally, like I just watched it by myself in the morning. That's a different experience, but I don't know. I think you can go back to it and not be totally like disturbed uh, once you know what, yeah. it's, what it's doing. Well, yeah. You, and you know what's going to happen. Like, the first time I was watching it, I was like, what's going to happen with the man? Like, yeah. the threat of the man is much scarier, you know, when you have watching it the first time. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, 4.5. Seb? Seb already... Four. Seb, Seb gave it a four. Oh, four? I did not four. hear that. Um, four? Four? Four. I think I, I'm going to... I'm going to give Wait, it... Wait, Seb, can you say it a little closer to the mic? Fuck. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I think I'm gonna give it a four two. You can't give it a, a forty two. I'm gonna That's give it a forty two. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a four. I'm breaking the scale. A four as okay, well. Okay, actually do that. Actually, no. Actually, give it forty two. Give it forty two. <laughs> Great. Break break the scale. Um. No, I'm gonna give it a four as well. I think the first time I watched it, or like. I think before this conversation, I thought maybe it was, like, a little bit more whack. Like, I think it, I think also before talking to Amanda and, like, seeing her, like, getting more insight into, like, how she approaches, like, creation and, like, being creative, it may seem a little bit, like, it seemed a little bit more whack to me because I'm, like, this is, and, like, this is, I was, like, uh, like one for the reason where i was like i love this film why do people like not get it they don't like it like why don't people like it this is like a perfect <laughs> amazing film um and then also like from the perspective of just like i don't know just being like it's so like such a weird way maybe not a weird way but it's such a like unexpected way to explore sort of like a coming of age story um especially like i think like hyper focusing in on that turning point between um like being a teenager and then being an adult 
Um, it's just like such a unique way to explore that. And I think a really effective way, but then after hearing sort of like, um, Amanda's insights on how it's sort of like, she just creates to like get her ideas out and to represent the, her opinions and her feelings and the stories that she has and doesn't really care if people like it or not. Just that like, it's getting a reaction from people and getting like a true reaction uh, from herself and from her audience is really important. I think sort of like answered some of my questions with why it was so extreme or like why people reacted to it in a negative way, which I think brought down the whack score a little bit. But I still think it is like quite a whack movie and especially like a really whack take on a coming of age film. Can I can I say something real quick on on uh, just because you were talking about your conversation with Amanda and and uh, and all that? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I mean, you know, everyone's going to have heard the conversation by this point, but I was very, like, inspired hearing her talk about um, just, like, fearlessly creating exactly what she wants and really, like, uh, chant or or tuning out the voices that would, like, tell her uh, this isn't good. Like, really being, like, able to hone in on, uh, like, or, or be confident making something that isn't just, like, for everyone. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I, we, we kind of talked about that at the start of this episode already, but I was very inspired by that because I think like I'm battling that a lot when I'm trying to make stuff where I'm like, you know, how do I find that edge of like what I want to do, but also make sure I'm satisfying like as many people as possible. But um, I kind of think if you're trying to satisfy as many people as possible, you're probably always going to make something that's like not quite as decisive as you want and you never really know what anyone else is gonna like or how anyone else is gonna react Mm -hmm. so to just be like more so focused on is is this the best decision for the movie and then you know hopefully people like it hopefully enough people react and and respond to it but um yeah I mean there's a danger in like being so concerned with how everyone is gonna react uh Mm -hmm. so yeah I, I was inspired by by that conversation and yeah, thank you again, Amanda, for for yeah. uh, allowing Nara to interview you and be on the show. It was if you're listening now, Amanda. a terrific experience. It was great interviewing Amanda. Lovely, lovely person to talk to. Makes great films. You should go watch her other work if you haven't. Um, the if you like like horror, um, or like thrillers, I think. Um, you might not like all of her work, but I think there is like her work does deal a lot in those sort of the feelings of tension, but you might really like her short film Bark, which is mm-hmm. maybe the most sort of like overtly horror or like thriller leaning of her films. Sick. Amanda, if you're still out, listening, if you're still listening and you made it through that Chris Kringle riff. You are a hero. <laughs> hey, that was funny. And we are we are sorry. Hey, that was funny. Remember when I said Jesus Chris Superstar? That was funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I was thinking of doing Jesus Christ Superstar for Chris at Whack, but I just think like if you guys all don't love it, I'm gonna be so sad the whole time. Oh, I love worth it. it. Yeah, I know. I know you love it, and I know Hannah at least likes it. So, I've never I mean, that's seen already it. Two out of four. So. Maybe so it, the the Chris in that one is Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like the argument would be like who's better, uh, 
Chris Pine or, or <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> From okay. Jesus Christ Superstar, though. We're not comparing it to, to you know, sure. the Christ in the Bible. Comparing it to the character in Jesus Christ Superstar. It's a different thing. Who's choosing Chris Pine? Are you choosing Chris Pine? No, I think I'm going to choose Chris Cooper. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. character actor Chris Cooper. No disrespect, Chris Cooper. I love you. Well, if we're doing Chris at Whack next week, then whoever wins the... Oh, wait, are we handing that out now? I don't know. I don't oh. have all the scores, I don't think. Let's do it at the beginning of the next one. Okay, okay, we'll do it at the beginning. We'll hand out the okay. uh, award for the uh, Wacko Lantern. Right. Um... <laughs> oh, did I did I say what this one got? This one got no. 4.16 whack. Wow. Hell yeah. I think that's probably the top. Well, Unless Scream got higher. Scream's pretty high. Scream did get high, I think. I didn't take yeah. notes for Scream, I don't think. I'll go back and find it. Uh, thank you to Ian Mills for the music, Emma Kudlack for the logo, and thank you again to director Amanda Kramer for coming on the podcast and talking about Lady World. Um, you can go to at Insomniac Fest on Instagram, Insomniac underscore Fest on Twitter, InsomniacFestival.com to learn more about Insomniac Film Festival and Is It Whack? We will be back next week, probably with the beginning of our Chris It Whack series. Where at the end, the winner will get a golden Chris. okay uh psych uh this is adam from later after recording this to tell you that we're next week not going to start chris at whack yet we're going to put out one of our lost episodes uh it's on the firm the 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 film starring tom cruise and uh you'll have to hear You'll have to listen to it, uh, and you'll find out why we're putting it out. Or maybe it'll be a little mystery. Who knows? Anyway, that's all. Okay, now back. So yes, The Firm next week. Now, end of this episode, this week, right now. Go back to it now. And also come back as we'll award the winner of uh, Halloac. Woo! Yes, the Wacko Lantern. Thank you for listening. Oh, wait, wait. Someone's opening the door to the podcast. Oh, sure. Everybody stare oh. into the door in a daze. We've been caught. Adam had a door <laughs> sound effect. Oh, yeah, great idea. Sure. Okay. Get out, I'm doing a podcast.